Amen. So uh, we're going to look at um, Ephesians verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 3. And I, I took some liberties here, and I put a period where there's a comma in the Bible. You might think that's blasphemy, but you've got to understand that in the original Greek, uh, verses 3 through 14 is one sentence. That's one sentence. So all of our English Bibles, people have taken liberties to help us, and they put periods where Paul did not put periods, where the, the Greek language would not have put periods. So I decided to just go with verse 3, because verse 3 really, it unlocks the, the key, the meaning to the rest of not only Ephesians, but really the Christian life. The, the idea of, of where we stand with God has absolute complete effect in how we react and how we live our lives. It's a, it's a deep, again, this Ephesians is a deep theological book, and sometimes we think of theology, just, it's just meant for the pastor up in his study, or for the theologian, or it's just this heady-weighty thing that doesn't really apply to me, but, but that's a huge and massive mistake. See, because perception and perspective have a profound effect on how we respond and act to life. Perception being the way we understand something, and perspective being our point of view. It has a profound effect on how we respond and react and act in life. I'll give you an example. My wife, Kim. My wife, Kim, is allergic to bees. She is terrified of bees. It makes for a very interesting summer. Every summer. And when she was a little kid, when she was younger, she was by the uh, Niagara River, back in Buffalo, back at home in Buffalo, and she was with her friends, and they were walking the river. It was very peaceful, and there's people everywhere, summer day, and they're walking the river, and it's not uncommon for, for there to be pedestrians walking and bikes going up and down the path. Well, my wife, as she's walking, hears a bee directly in her ear and starts freaking out, and whether she's flying, flailing about and screaming and yelling, creating a scene, and whatever she can do, she can't get the buzz out of her ear, so she decides to go into the water. The problem was, it wasn't a bee, it was a bicycle <laughs> driving by. <laughs> so her perception and her perspective drove her reaction and her action in life. Had she had a different percep perception, she would have been dry and a lot less embarrassed, even right now. <laughs> so when we, this is where theology comes in, the study of God, when we discover who God is and what he has done, it gives us a proper perspective and perception in our lives, and it has a profound effect. And the effect of this, it leads us to praise. It leads us to praise and to worship, not just on Sunday morning, but to live a life dedicated in everything that we do, the posture of praising God, everything under the glory of Him, worship constantly Him, 
Otherwise, we're in severe danger of worshiping things that are not worthy of worship. This is how Paul starts it. He says, blessed. Blessed. This word, this Greek word here, really means that that he is worthy of praise. It's an act of worship. Praise. Praise means to make a joyful noise. Psalm 150 explains it completely, beautifully. It says, praise him with a trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounds, cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. See, we're we're created to worship. It doesn't matter if we're worshiping God. If we're not worshiping God, guess what we're worshiping? Something unworthy of worship. You can't stop us from worshiping. We will put something at the altar of our lives and live unto it. And what Paul is saying is, it is God that deserves to be in that position. Now that's difficult sometimes in life, is it not? Because when we live our lives, it doesn't seem like there's always a reason to praise God. There's difficulty and tragedy and sin and hardship. But when we're focused in on that, we have the wrong perspective and the wrong perception. He says, blessed, the one worthy of praise is who? Is God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love what he does there. He, he puts Jesus Christ for who he is. Fully man and fully God. He says that he is the God of Christ and that the Son took flesh and became man. And he is also the Father in Christ and that he, who, he is both God and the Word and the Son. So this is God, the the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that is worthy of praise. He is the only one worthy of praise. Then Paul tells us why. It says he has blessed us. God is the one worthy of praise because he is the one who has blessed us. Now, we, can't, we want to think of this as common grace. We understand that there's common grace, there's common blessing. We know that, that the world got so evil, so awful, that he flooded it. And then he promised, he puts a rainbow on the sky, and he promised, I'm not going to let it get there again. And from that time, there is blessing for the wicked, as well as the righteous. There's a common blessing the Bible puts it like this. It says in Matthew chapter, or chapter 5, he says, For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. This is, this is that common thing that we're all going to live in. And sometimes you think, well, why does, why does good things happen to bad people? Well, it's mercy that good things happen to bad people. It caps evil. It puts a limit to evil deeds. Without that common grace, we would be much worse off than we are today. That's not what he's talking about here when he's talking about blessing. He says, who has blessed us? Who is he talking about? He's talking about his church. This is a special grace. This is a grace that is only enjoyed 
by Christian people. It's like Ellie, you know, Ellie has friends, and I have all but one loved Ellie's friends. All but one. <laughs> I, I've loved them. And, and, and I give them grace, and they come over, I give them grace, and I treat them well. All of them. But then there's a special way that I treat my daughter. Amen? I don't treat my daughter the same way I treat her friends. I treat her friends well. But there's things that are held, gifts and attention and grace and mercy that are withheld and sustained only for my daughter. And this is what we're talking about here. It's for the children of God. It is available to all men and women. No doubt God reaches out this invitation to all men and women, but only those who believe in Christ are in a position to be his children, to be adopted by him. That's the next thing he says. He says, in Christ. This is the mystery of the union with Christ. Not this, this is important to get. This is where perspective and perception, I think, is lost. It was lost on me. I'm going to be honest with you. It was lost on me for many years of my Christian walk. And I suffered for it. I lived life as a Christian like I was in spiritual poverty. And, and I see as I journey through my life, so many Christians do this. Because there's this mystery. It takes some time to really try to understand. And we cannot really fully comprehend what God has done for us. It is too big. But goodness, we need to constantly try. We need to constantly grow in the understanding of where we are and who we are because of what Christ did. Because it's massive. It's massive. And it's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing at this point in time. It's a spiritual thing. One Bible commentator puts it like this. He says, Christians not only have faith in him, him being Jesus, their life is in him. As the root is in the soil, as the branch is in the vine, as fish in the sea, as as bird in the air, so the place of a Christian's life is in Christ. Too often I look for the answer. I look for a different circumstance. I go to my Bible to learn something, not to experience His presence. Now, learning something's okay, but what I learn should push me ultimately into this understanding, this experiential union with Christ. We say, I need bread. And Jesus doesn't say, here, here's some bread. He says, I am bread. We, we, we say, show me the way. He doesn't draw us a map. He says, I am the way. We say, Jesus, t- t- tell me truth. What is truth? Jesus says, I am truth. He is everything. He is all in all. It was created for him, for him, by him, and through him, all for the glory of the Father. There is nothing that exists outside of him that will remain. He is everything. I had this experience when I was going through a, a kind of a low time in life, and circumstances were really difficult, and, and you know, we had this 
camping trip planned. And, and I like, when I camp, I like to sit out by the fire for hours. I could stare at a fire for like weeks on end and not realize any time has passed. And, and, and my family, they go to bed early. They, they get tired out from camping and they end up, they look at the fire for half an hour. They've had enough. They go to bed. And I'm usually by myself. So I anticipated this and I thought, you know what? I'm going to, I had my iPod loaded up with some sermons. And I was going to bring my iPod with my, my headphones and just sit by the fire when they went to bed and listen to sermons and, and, and try to figure out my circumstance, try to figure out you know the funk that I was in and the things that were going on. And when we were packing to go uh, to the camping trip, I could not find my iPod anywhere. I mean, I tore the house upside down before we left, much to the chagrin of my wife. And I could not, it was like I didn't own it. And I didn't think, well, no big deal. We went camping, and that night they went to bed. And I sat by the fire. I was by myself, and I went to pray. And I got to tell you, for whatever reason, in that moment, I felt the presence of Christ. And I sat there for a couple hours. I couldn't pray. I couldn't move. I just was in the presence of Christ. And I woke up the next day absolutely renewed. Same circumstances, same situation, completely different perspective. All I needed was Christ. I just needed to be by Him and in Him and near Him. That's all we ever need. We don't need anything else. We don't need anything else. There are no spiritual blessings outside of Christ. There is nothing apart from Christ that can satisfy us. Any passion that does not end with Jesus Christ as the destination is simply a counterfeit distraction. And I know that you've all experienced this. This thing that we need that's going to bring us happiness and it brings us happiness for all of, what, ten minutes? Ten minutes. The circumstance, oh, the circumstance, it's straightened out. Oh, thank goodness, now I can relax. Only for another circumstance to come down the pike. We live in a fallen world. We're never going to be free of uncomfortable circumstances. My life doesn't need to be easy for me to be happy. I just need to be in Christ. What does he bless us with? So we're in Christ. We should praise God. We should live a life of praise. Praising who? God the Father. Why? Because he has blessed us in who? In Christ. With what? With every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Christ's victory over sin and death by his death and resurrection on the cross has won believers every. How many? Every. Spiritual blessing. Listen, you, you go to prayer and you go, God, give me patience. You know what he says? I have. God, God, help me to, help me to, to I have. God, I, I need this, I need this. No, you don't. You have it. You have it. But where's your perspective? Where's your perception? Where are you living life from? 
That becomes the question. That's the hindrance of my being able to obtain and experience these spiritual blessings. Again, these aren't temporal blessings, although those come from God too, no doubt about it. They come from God. And those are, we should praise God and we should ask for those, there's no doubt about it. But when he doesn't grant those temporal blessings, when he doesn't grant healing, when he doesn't grant wealth, when he doesn't grant a better circumstance, what Paul is saying is that across our lips should we praise God. Because we know, listen, even Lazarus, right? He resurrected, he resurrected from the dead. That's amazing, that's incredible. He did that to die again. <laughs> right? And Jesus Christ walked the earth, and, and in his ministry, that whole region where his ministry was, there wasn't a single disease or illness left. And every single one of those people got sick and died. It's temporal. That isn't the grand point. What we need is spiritual blessing, and that has been given to us. This spiritual blessing is bound up literally in the Spirit. It's bound up by the Holy Spirit. It is the, the, the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit that we get every spiritual blessing. It is through and in and by the Spirit that a Christian is united in Christ and drawn into the realm of Christ's kingdom. This is the explanation point. This is what I missed so many years walking, or or at least I've allowed myself to walk, not forcing myself back into this position. Where are these heavenly blessings? The very last thing he tells us is that these heavenly blessings are in the heavenly places. These spiritual blessings are in the heavenly places. What is the heavenly places? Or it could be translated the heavenlies. We know sometimes when the Bible says heaven, it just means the air above us. That's not what it's talking about. And sometimes when we think of heaven, we think of what we're going to reunite with our, with our families and, and live forever. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about the new earth and the new heaven that's coming. It's talking about the realm that's before us right now that we can't see. And because we can't see it, it's easy to forget about it. But let me reassure you this morning, it is as real as anything you've ever seen in your life. And it is where everything is taking place. We see what we see, what we experience, what we witness, comes out of this realm, what Paul calls the heavenlies or the heavenly places. It is the sphere of our blessing. It's the place from which Christ has been raised. It is the place of spiritual warfare and conquest. It is the place of principalities and powers. It is the place to which a believer also has been raised spiritually. It's like, a, it's like if somebody buys a house in a ravine. We were, we were up in the Adirondacks a few weeks ago. I was, anyway, um, a couple months ago, and you wonder how they get any reception in some of those areas up there. Beautiful place. But some of those houses are way down these tall trees. And it's like, it's like the guy who, who buys this house and he gets a, a nice big screen TV and he gets an antenna on top of his house. He wants all the channels. 
And, and then he turns on a TV, and the, it's just all messed up. The picture is constantly messed up. So he spends all this time constantly trying to play with the TV and fix the settings and, and mess around with the TV. And he goes on the roof, and he's changing the position constantly of the, of the antenna. And he's constantly trying to, to get a clearer picture to, to fix his situation. The problem isn't the TV and it's not the antenna. It's his location. He's too low. He's in the wrong location. See, see, I've done that with my life. I don't know about you, but I've done that with my life. I've tried to control the knowledge. I've tried to try harder. I've tried to tweak things and, and work things out and work on myself, trying desperately to, to have a clearer life, a better life, a, a happier life, only to find myself extremely frustrated, not realizing my problem was my location. My mind was not set on the things of heaven. It was set on the things of this world. I was acting and behaving as though this were it. And the human resources were the source of power. It is not so. See, when I was six years old, my mom saw in me that I was filled with anger and I was violent. And it scared her. But she brought me to a shrink. And I went to shrinks when I was 16, from when I was six to when I was 15. Shrink after shrink after shrink, turning the knobs, changing the antenna, giving me medicine. And by the time I was 15, every year passing, I grew more angry and more violent. Because I had no blessings in the spiritual realm. I had no blessing in the, in the heavenly places. I was of this world. I was worldly. I lived in this world. I was from this world. This world was my home. This world was what I cared about. I lacked completely in the heavenly places. And then I came to Christ. And everything changed. Everything changed. What did I do? What effort did I put into it? Nothing. Nothing. I just came to Christ. I was in Christ. And this drug addiction and alcoholism that I could not lick with all of my might fell from me. This horrible anger I couldn't control, gone. I haven't unnecessarily put my hands on somebody since that moment I came into Christ. Why? Because in that moment, I was filled with the Holy Spirit then connected to the heavenly place. I no longer was from this world. This world was no longer my home. I have no business trying to make this world my home. I must operate completely where my home really is. That's where all my spiritual blessings are. Every single thing that I need is not here. And it's never going to be. It's in heaven. It's a very difficult thing to wrap our minds around. I was trying to think of, a, of an analogy or, or a way of being able to, to help us understand that, and everything I came up with fails in the comparison, but I'll give it a shot. Because of COVID, we all became familiar with Zoom. And Zoom's awesome. 
because it enables me to be here in Kingston and meet with somebody in California. I can be in the guy's house in California while sitting here in Kingston. I can be at two places at once because of Zoom. But we, God didn't give us, well, he gave us Zoom, but he didn't put Zoom in our hearts. What he put in us was the Holy Spirit. And because of the Holy Spirit, yes, I live here. I live here physically, but my spirit is risen in Christ. That's what he means, that it is finished. It's finished. There's nothing left to do but to be in Christ and enjoy every spiritual blessing. And from that perspective, from that perception, it leads us to worship and praise the one that is worthy of worship and praise. The spiritual realm where God and Satan is where God and Satan battle for our allegiance. We live in the physical realm with our problems, needs, and struggles and sins, but whatever happens in the physical realm originates in the spiritual realm. We're physically located on earth, but operate from a heavenly place, or we should. This is what God wants. This is what Paul is saying. Again, remember, this is to the the Ephesians. Remember last week, he came, he started this church, and he left, and he got wind that all of the world, because they were still in Ephesus, was pushing in on them and causing them to go haywire with their theology and their perspective and their perception, and it was hurting them. And so he's coming back and going, hey, look it. Even though you're still in Ephesus, you're not really in Ephesus. You're not supposed to be operating from Ephesus. You're supposed to be operating from a heavenly perspective. What a reminder this morning. There is no application. It's just an implication. It's the greatest implication in all of the world. Amen? That we are in heaven with Christ. I'll close with a quote from John Calvin. He says this. He says, Whatever happens to us, let us always assure ourselves that we have good cause to praise God. And that even if we are poor and miserable in this world, the happiness of heaven is is enough to appease us, to sweeten all our afflictions and sorrows, and to give us such contentment that we may nevertheless have our mouths open to bless God for showing himself so kind-hearted, so liberal to us, as even to adopt us as his children, and to show us that the heritage which has been purchased for us by the blood of his Son is ready for us, and that we cannot miss it, seeing that we go to it with a true an invincible consistency of faith. Let's be heavenly people this week. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit working through all of us this morning, Lord God, to help us, to allow us to see and experience and know to even deeper level where we have been called, Father God. It is a, it's a tragic thing to watch a, a Christian who is a a millionaire spiritually, live a life of spiritual poverty. 
to, to be miserable, to, to just get wrapped up in this world when this isn't his home. There's nothing here for us, God. Help us to remind ourselves of that and to praise you come what may because we know that in Christ we have everything that we need. That our perception and our perspective needs to be a heavenly one. Help us, God. Help us in the Holy Spirit to remind us, to convict us, to bring us back, to seal us, that we might live our lives out, not from a worldly perspective, but from a heavenly perspective that leads to a constant praise of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.